This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Travis Schreier, the BamaOnline.com staff. It is late night with TR here on the Facebook home for BamaOnline.com on the heels of Alabama's 41-24 win over the third-ranked Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Everybody going to jump in here a little bit? I know it's late night. You know, you may hear some dogs barking outside here. Well, maybe not some dogs after what happened over there off Bryant Drive tonight. But uh, what a game, right? Hey, Darlene, how are you doing? Kathy's checking in. Christy, she's with us as well. Uh, Gosh, everybody jumping in here. Let's do it. Let's talk some Alabama, Georgia. What a game. Hey, you talk about shifts in momentum and um, kind of a swaying of the tide, I guess you could say. That was certainly the case as you got into the second half of that game tonight. Didn't look so good for the defense again there early, did it? Stetson Bennett, uh, you kind of figured he was going to do some things in the middle of the field with the receiving options he had available to him. Uh, but you know what? If you told me before the game Stetson Bennett's going to end up throwing 40 passes in the game, I probably would have liked Alabama's chances pretty good. In fact, I really thought, um, you know, just kind of looking at the numbers post game, it was and and as the game was going along, I think Alabama caught a little bit of a break in that Georgia only ran the ball 30 times in the game, and Georgia ran it for right around what five yards per clip. Meanwhile, I thought Alabama in the fourth quarter, if you're a run-the-damn-ball folks are out there, that was exactly what you wanted to see in the final 15 minutes. Uh, it was, I think, north of 15 runs to close that game out, but it's a 24 to nothing run to finish the game. After Georgia, it felt catastrophic at the time, didn't it? When Georgia drew Alabama offsides twice, and then finally the second time Christian Barmore was called for it, And they get the first and goal. And on third down, after they had two guys pretty much wide open that they missed, they finally hit it on the third and goal. Now it's a 24-17 game right before the half. Georgia's going to get the ball coming out. And Alabama is able to squeeze a 52-yard field goal out of Will Reichert. Right there at the gun at the end of the second quarter, it becomes a 24-20 game. That lifts your psyche. That lifts your spirits. Um, you know, and then whatever you think of this defense, they took the ball away tonight. You know, again, a lot of times it was not pretty, uh, but a second-half shutout and plus two in turnover margin. And typically when Alabama plays at home with that offense, if they're plus two in turnover margin, they're going to beat a lot of teams in college football. And Georgia found that out firsthand tonight. It was just one of those 2020 games, I think, in a lot of ways, because I don't know about you watching the game. It felt like... Georgia was really controlling the game on both lines of scrimmage. I thought Alabama's offensive line played well. I thought Alabama's offensive line, for the most part, did a good job of keeping Mac Jones clean. But it seemed like if Georgia wanted five or six yards on the ground, they could go get it about any time they wanted it. 
again, you had some second and longs, and you've got teams still running it right at this defense. But again, you take the ball away in the second half, you control the fourth quarter supremely, and then you've got, is it safe to say that with this team, in my opinion, if you have 10 Heisman candidates in college football right now, would it be fair to say that Alabama has four on this team? When you talk about Mac Jones, when you talk about Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, um, I think it's fair. You know, and that was the thing. Everybody talks about Alabama's big four, I guess it is, when you talk about the two wide receivers, Najee and Mac. And um, you can't have all four of those guys, all four of those guys go off. And that's basically what happened tonight. You know, Mac Jones ran his 400-yard passing streak to three games. For the first time in program history, you had two Alabama wide receivers in the same game go over 150 yards in the contest. Najee with another big night, 152 yards on the ground. And it was a tough night for Najee. I think you should be proud of Najee as much as anything for the toughness. And again, the ball security. That's a big, physical, fast Georgia defense. And we talked about it throughout the week leading up to the game. It was going to be a battle as much for inches and feet when you got between the tackles this week as it was going to be explosive plays. But again, the passing game hits for some big plays. You've got the, you know, in the third quarter there, there was a point where because of Georgia's punter, Jake Camarda, he's really good, Alabama's starting field position was... What was it? Second? I mean, uh, it was at its own 22. That was its average starting field position. And at that point, to start that series, Alabama opened with the ball in its own nine. Two snaps later, 90 yards. Jalen Waddell beats Tyson Campbell on a go route. And that's really where it just started to snowball, avalanche a little bit on the Georgia Bulldogs. So, look, not a perfect team. But a perfect 4-0. That's all you care about right now is the Alabama Crimson Tide gets ready to go to Tennessee next week. Tennessee, boy, today. Oof, that was a tough one for Jeremy. It was one thing to lose the game like they did late, kind of let it get away from them at Georgia last week, but never really all that competitive today. At home against Kentucky for the first time since 1984, Kentucky wins in Knoxville. So, uh... It'll be an interesting trip up to East Tennessee, to the Smokies. You'll probably be going to Pigeon Forge, won't you? Huh? Yeah, probably something like that. But, yeah, I agree, Trey. I think the run game in the fourth quarter was I, – I would venture to guess Nick Saban might have enjoyed that part of the game tonight as much as anything. Because how many times have we heard him, especially in the last two or three years in sort of the shootout era of college football – somewhat exasperated, even after his team has scored 45-plus, kind of come off the field and be like, you know, we just could not control the game. Now, I said it all week going into this game, after the really deplorable defensive performance against Ole Miss, matchups and mindsets change, and I thought tonight was a big, big example of that. Kirby wasn't going to commit to going fast. You saw some tempo from Todd Munkin and the Georgia offensive staff. Georgia really didn't have the dynamic guys after the catch, you know, and some of those things. Now, James Cook hit Alabama, hit 
Christian Harris for what, 82 yards and a touchdown? <laughs> so they did hit one of those. Um, but the tight end really didn't hurt you all that much tonight. And George Pickens on the outside, he's a one route guy. You know, he runs the sort of go route down the sideline, and it's either going to be a back shoulder or it's going to be a contested catch. And you knew Patrick Sertan and Josh Job would probably be okay uh, in that scenario. But on the other side, you know, there's just so many options, so many weapons. John Mechie made a couple plays tonight to go along with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Devontae got a little call there in the third quarter in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, that was a little Devontae rules, I think, coming to the surface there. I thought Stokes, I thought Eric Stokes had really good coverage. and uh, But Devontae gets the flag, and, you know, that was a big moment in the game as well. But then Devontae also pretty much iced it with a hell of a catch. It was a great ball from Mac there in the fourth quarter too. But, you know, Stokes again in good shape. Stokes going to play in the NFL a long time. Stokes is their best corner. Tyson Campbell was their probably highest rated recruited corner and he was he's a good player Stokes is a really good corner and Devontae made him look pretty average at times just like he did Derek Stingley last year so again Alabama needed its stars to be stars tonight and I thought their stars were defensively again still got a lot to work on but you took the ball away you know you get three takeaways Georgia misses a field goal well, these last two games with Georgia, Georgia's kind of helped with some missed field goals. You had the SEC championship game, Rodrigo Blankenship missed a chippy there. Remember that one? He's now kicking in the NFL. Polinski's been really good for Georgia this year. He made, what, a 50-yarder earlier in the game? But I thought Will Reichert answering with that 52 right at the gun there. How about Alabama getting a second back at the end of the first half? Strange how things happen, isn't it? All right, what do we got, gang? Let's talk about it. Let's chop it up. Yes, he is, Tom, and that's true. When you look at Devontae, you really probably don't think he's going to play as strong as he does, but he is a physical dude. You saw him tonight finish some plays after the catch trying to punish some safeties. I think it was LeCount there in the fourth quarter. Came up on a quick game opportunity and – you kind of cringe a little bit because you, you, you don't really want him taking hits he doesn't have to take, but that's the way the guy plays football. And uh, you're, you're going to have to you have to bring it. <laughs> what else do we got, gang? Let's get into it. Yeah, Natisha, that was a big missed field goal for Georgia. And you know what, Alan? I think, I think Riker's field goal was the exact same distance as Anders Carlson's. I think Carlson's was 52, wasn't it? Down on the plains. So there was a lot of sort of uh, weird stuff. It's getting close to Halloween, man. Nick Saban coached tonight. Um, Cedric, we're going to find out more about LeBron Ray. And that was kind of an important piece to tonight defensively because I think this is the kind of game that LeBron Ray's really made for. You know, I don't think of LeBron Ray, and he's probably not a guy that's going to, you know, he's not going to be a probably 10-sack guy. Um, but when it comes to fitting the run, you know, and sort of helping the linebackers that way, you can count on LeBron Ray to do that. Yeah, I thought the pass rush, Jim, did get better in the fourth quarter. You know, Chris Allen lost a sack to a defensive hold on Josh Job against Pickens. So th- there was some there was some improvement, kind of like last week. 
again, I, I think you've got to already start crediting David Ballou and Matt Ray because this team doesn't seem to lose steam down the stretch. They don't, they're not always pretty in what they do, but I don't think you could look at the defense and say, well, they're gassed. You know, I think they're pretty good shape. Yeah, I like a Boyd B2, Tim. He's not a lot of flash either, um, but he's got a lot of upside. You saw Will Anderson, I thought, late with a nice edge rush. You know, showed you he can do some of that. It's just going to take a little time with some of these still younger guys. Jeff, it's a good point about if these two teams meet again, you know, which quarterback might Alabama see. Um, I give Stetson Bennett a lot of credit, but you can tell he's not comfortable entirely with what they want their quarterback to do, especially from the pocket. You know, he's more comfortable sort of freelancing a little bit. He likes to drift to his right. I think his height does come into play. You know, I think Alabama had something like nine pass breakups tonight, and a lot of those were at the line of scrimmage. DJ Dale with a huge one, you know, right after Max interception to open the game. So that will be something that's interesting to follow here. You know, is it maybe JT Daniels if these two teams see each other again? I agree, Ron. Miller Forrestall when he was in the cart going off. I would have told you, you're not going to see him the rest of the night and maybe not the rest of the month. But to get him back out there um, when you already had Carl Tucker out of the game, uh, that was important because you had Jalil Billingsley out there early. You had Major Tennyson, which was good to see him back. Um, you know, you, you still had Kendall Randolph doing some – tight end work as well, um, but that was that was pretty impressive from Miller. I, I, I agree. I think he just had a really nice adjustment on a first third down conversion, I think it was, too. Maybe it was in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Josh. We just talked about Christopher Allen. Thought he did some nice things there in the fourth quarter. Big tackle for a loss when Georgia was trying to drive there late. Um, you know, so... A lot of positive stuff. A lot of positive stuff in that 24 to nothing uh, finish to that one. Yeah, you know, Dale's capable of it, you know, and you got to remember this is a guy who is still a true sophomore, went through a real injury plague stretch last year as a true freshman. Um, not everybody's going to show up and be Deron Payne and or Quinnen Williams from day one, and those guys didn't. You know, they were pretty much third-year guys. I think Deron was pretty much coming on um, by the end of his second year. But in terms of just breakout superstars, it was it was kind of that third year. It was nice to get Battle back on the back end there in the second half. Give Daniel Wright credit. Made a play. Made a big play on the interception. I thought Malachi Moore down the stretch really did some good things, too. Uh, the interception off the tip ball, not only the interception, but as I talked about earlier, with field position being a real problem for Alabama for the better part of three quarters to return it, you know, out to uh, out to midfield, that was huge. And he had a pass deflection off a of blitz there in the fourth quarter. I agree on the kickoff coverage. You know, it almost felt like for Alabama that the first three opponents that they faced this season had pretty much just conceded fair catches or touchbacks. And Georgia, a team like Georgia, with what they've got on their roster, they're going to run those kickoffs back, especially if you're only kicking them to the five. So, yeah, that wasn't a great night for Alabama uh, 
kickoff coverage tonight. I'm sure that's something they're going to spend a lot of time on uh, this week, no doubt, because uh, multiple kickoff returns out over the 30, 35-yard line. Yeah, Jeff, I, you know, I, again, with Najee, I was impressed with his toughness as much as anything, his patience, his assertiveness. You know, there are times where, you know, Najee, it, it wasn't a bounce, bounce it outside game tonight. You know, this Georgia defense, in terms of being connected and disciplined, uh, is further along in that regard than Alabama's defense. So you weren't going to get many cheapies tonight against that Georgia defense. It was kind of a four or five yards uh, at a clip, but, you know, he ran with a lot of power, ran to his size tonight. Yeah, Scott, I thought thought guard-to-guard Alabama was good tonight. Gave up the pressure early on Mac on the first play of the game. Looked like it came off that left side. Maybe some confusion there between Deontay Brown and, and Leatherwood. And um, uh, Ojolari was able to get a hit on that interception by LeCount. But um, it's nice, man, when you can lean on those guys in the fourth quarter and average like four. It's, it's not like Alabama in that fourth quarter averaged seven, eight, nine yards per carry, but they just four and five yarded them to death there, you know, and uh, were able to keep that clock going there in the fourth quarter. Really controlled it. So what else do we have tonight? Everybody doing all right, man? I'll tell you this about T-Town. It was, uh, it felt like Georgia weekend around here. Not sure if you came, who all came, but you know, last night on the strip, I think cover at Rounders and some of the other places were like 60 bucks just to get in the bar. That's that's it. I agree, Carolyn. We talked about that earlier. Game ball to Will Reichard. Two for two tonight. And the 52-yarder is, was a uh, psychological lift, I think, because that was a tough spot with Georgia scoring, not only scoring, but the way it did on the offsides penalty that gave them the first down and um you know i thought alabama i tweeted during the game you know alabama needs to use their timeouts because will reichard can get it there from 55 and i had a couple of haters on the timeline giving me some grief because you know if one or two kickers at alabama struggle that means they're all going to struggle well maybe not right and sure enough will reichard from 52 there you go. You think, Tim? You think uh, all the way to Auburn, Tim says. Boy, Auburn today. But Tim thinks that all the way, I mean, is the is the SEC Western Division Championship game going to be December the 5th in Fayetteville, Arkansas? Is that what we're looking at right now? How about Arkansas? You know, and... Barry Odom throws just zone at Lane, and uh, Matt Corral throws six picks because uh, Matt Corral isn't going to be patient enough to take what's there against the zone. You saw Alabama with a little zone tonight, a little more zone. They don't really like it, but um, a little bit. I think the linebackers are, are better. Yeah, James, you know, that was a stretch to their – Gosh, was that the first quarter of the second quarter? Kind of the middle of the first half, somewhere in there, where um, I think it was first quarter. Jalen has the return out to the 46, 
I think it's like a 39-yard return he has. They lose it to a block in the back call. You know, don't really move the football, and then you get a 30-yard punt. Uh, that was a lot of hidden yardage. That was the equivalent. I added it up. I think it was like the equivalent of a – I think it might have been a 39-yard penalty is what it kind of came out to, 46-yard penalty, something like that. When you took away the return to where Alabama should have been starting – to where they started at seven. Yeah, I think it was like a 39-yard penalty. And then to get off a 30-yard punt in a field flip situation, that's that's what sort of gave Georgia the field position to go down and score for the first time in the game. I thought punting would be important in the game. And uh, it was for a while, anyway. But I think when you look at this team... Uh, Cedric, that's that's what Alabama's got right now. You know, they've got a they've got a Scott, but it's not JK. And uh it's just a tough spot right now. Um you know, I do think he did a nice job in some uh pin down situations, some what they call hang ten situations where you're trying to drop it down there inside the twenty. Uh, I thought Sam did a pretty good job on those, but they need somebody that can flip the field. You know, and maybe he's doing that in practice, and he will maybe do it in games. It just hasn't quite happened yet. Yeah, I mean, you knew UGA could run on defense. There was no doubt about that, but I thought Sark was great. You know, Sark, what I liked was Alabama was aggressive right out the gate because when you've got a defense as dominant as that one had been coming in, they're not – they're not accustomed to being attacked. They kind of anticipate everybody's going to close ranks a little bit and let's just not turn the ball over and, you know, a little defensive. And even though you had the, um, even though you had the, the interception on the first play, you were trying to take a shot. And, um, you know, it just kind of sent a message, I think, to everybody else too. We don't care who you are defensively. Like I said earlier, You've got potentially four top ten Heisman Trophy candidates at the skill positions on this team. And so, going to take some shots. Yeah, I think Alex Leatherwood tonight helped himself because you saw Ojolari early on the pass rush. But I don't know if he got hurt or something. But, you know, those guys did a nice job tonight. Because as I talked about throughout the week, the real challenge with Georgia isn't that they have one or two dominant pass rushers. It's the different ways in which they bring pressure. And I thought Alabama was ready for it and executed at a pretty high level uh, in terms of terms of protection. I thought maybe Mac early in the game wasn't quite his steady self there in the pocket, but still made some plays, man. Made some big plays. What else before we get out of here? I'm going to let you guys go to bed. I got to go right. I know you're not going to bed. You're too giddy. You're too excited. Probably just got another pot of coffee going. You're going to watch uh, the SEC version of college football final. How many times tonight? How many times will you watch it tonight till you fall asleep, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, gang. Hey, as always, appreciate you joining us here on BamaOnline.com's 
Facebook home where we do instant analysis and certainly hope you'll keep up with us right there at BamaOnline.com as well. Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, myself will have continuing coverage from Alabama 41, Georgia 24, Nick Saban 22, former assistants 0, Nick Saban 3, Kirby Smart 0, Nick Saban 1, COVID-19, zero. Nah, knock on wood on that one, right? You saw what happened to Dan Mullen. You start talking like that. You saw what happened there. Hope Dan gets better soon. Have a great evening, everybody. We'll catch up with you again real soon. Good night.